This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Rodgers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play. That is that. What a shot. Oh, my goodness. Far post for Shearer. Goal. of the season done and a breather from the hustle and bustle of EFL League 2 football is almost upon us as the FA Cup first round awaits but before we start applying tinfoil and ribbon to cardboard there's the small matter of Swindon Town's sluggish away day in the house of pain as 2,595 travelling town supporters witness a flat performance with a flattering scoreline MK Dons 3, Swindon Town 2. Here to discuss is Dan. Hello, Dan. Evening all. Hello, Rich. Oh, Dan, just pay pain, please. <laughs> pay him. That was, you know, that was really guy like guiling to, to watch. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Your former lover strutting their stuff. Um, oh. There's not a thing, there's not a thing I could do about it. Yeah, first not a thing I could do about it. First side goes to pull on, on <laughs> it's 1-1, quick equaliser. <laughs> oh no. Uh, yeah, we are on Zoom this evening and as is the custom on this platform, it is warts and all production. So do forgive any moments where we talk over each other or cough or anything like that. I've got, I've got a cough, Dan, so I'll, I'll be hitting the mute button from time to time. But fingers crossed, it doesn't cause many issues for our lovely listeners. Get well soon, BB. 
Thank you very much. Well, let's start with MK Don's related criticism. We have Rich A here that says, don't get me started on MK sticking the away fans up in the gods with a three quarters empty stadium. Surely you want to create a proper match atmosphere for the game. And Nathan Shepard says for five goals, that was a pretty dull game and worst performance of the season so far. Positives. Great to see Young back in the goals. And oh, <laughs> oh, and the seats were damn comfy. Well, first of all, Dan, the seats were very comfy. And Rich A was absolutely spot on. By When you watch the highlights, you're kind of wondering if anyone was at that game. But I promise there were 2,500 plus of us somewhere. Yes. Um, well, <clears throat> comfy seats for sure. Lovely arena if you're going to watch Little Mix. But League Two football, not so much. Um, yeah, I think I, I had a bit of back and forth with a few people on Twitter today about the decision to put the away fans up in the gods. And, you know, it's kind of it's kind of Milton Keynes prerogative at the end of the day, isn't it? It's not like they're putting us in a, like a Stratton Bank stand with barely working toilets and no roof. Like, we were still in a very nice concourse, great view, but... Yeah, it would be, it would have been quite literally five times better if we were bunched together on the lower tiers. Um, that kind of spreading of the town fans um, from one side of the pitch all the way to the other didn't help with the uh, the noise and the singing. And perhaps that is Milton Keynes' motivation, which, um, you know, boo, we don't like him as it is. <laughs> I think the same uh, place. They scored so. another victory. <laughs> I think that the, the the same applies to their own supporters too, doesn't it? You know, they they were all spread out. The or oh, less than six thousand of them, which is well showing that the MK Dons experiment twenty years almost on is is not working out. I would love Swindon to have a ground like Stadium MK. I will say though that they they've done very little to make it feel vibrant and lively. It's very grey. It's you know the banners. There's no banners across the the, the middle sections. It's just it just says Milton Keynes. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it just they've done nothing with it, and it would be great to have something like the Marshall Arena outside too. They look like they're going to have a cracking little Halloween party. <laughs> I didn't quite clock that. Um, <laughs> well, I did better fair, but uh, no, I mean I'm not a fan really. I think to have an arena that big and that uniform all the way around, I think you need to fill it or get close to filling it. It is such a white elephant of a stadium and kind of always has been for them, other than the odd flirtation with um, League One playoffs and that one season in the championship under Carl Robinson. But yeah, I mean, smashing place to be an away fan. Frankly, you can take as many as you like. So I think <laughs> the challenge Swindon fans is to take more than two and a half thousand next time and uh, force them to put us on the lower tiers. Force them. Let's do this okay let's get stuck in then go straight in for the usual the lineup there were changes so we can talk about bits and pieces and i know you've got opinions on this so starting lineup was mahoney in goal hutton blake tracy clayton and godwin malife at the back khan and mcgeckran kinsella shade hepper murphy and austin subs uh, w- who would be used include Young, who would come on for Clayton after 55 minutes. Minton would come on for Kinsella at, after 82. And what is becoming quite a standard cameo for Miles Abodo, he came on just as 90th minute was was coming through for Charlie Austin. No appearances for Lewis Ward. 
Brooklyn Genesini was prepared to go on at one point, but didn't get on. And uh, Sonny Hart and Alston were the YTSs that were on the bench. Neil Duncan says, Dan, that I thought Flynn got the selection wrong today. We started in a 4-3-1-2 shape with Shade playing as the 10. It didn't work at all. Obviously, his options were limited. This is your opportunity now, Dan, to fill your boots. Yeah, I think we can take Flynn's own words. Formation change to surprise MK. Like, boo, Tyree Shade's at number 10. <laughs> um, <laughs> Halloween and all that. Yeah, I think it's probably the first time we could probably say Flynn's got it wrong. And probably the bigger crime was failing to change it as the match wore on. Yeah, I, I think going to the four at the back, it felt like a fudge to accommodate a half-fit Tom Clayton. That's what it looked like to me from behind the goal. And, you know, it's not Tom Clayton's fault he's half-fit. He's just back from injury. We don't have a reserve team or under-23s or enough players to fulfil a sort of development-friendly. So, you know, he has to find fitness in real matches. I think on reflection... Sticking with the sort of three four one two that we've been playing all season and keeping Minton in the middle, even with you know a couple of shaky moments against Chills, I think I still think from Salford and Gillingham, Minton's well in credit. Um, I think that would have been the better selection, but just because it would have kept everyone in the right places. I think going to a four at the back, definitely Blake Tracy and Godwin Malife were a bit put out. We missed their thrust coming forward on the ball and them getting involved in this sort of progressive forward play. Um, they they had to be more disciplined, particularly Blake Tracy at left back, who barely got beyond the halfway line in an attacking sense. I think it didn't help Hutton. He had to be more defensively disciplined as a, a right back in a four. He was still our most advanced player on the right because of the sort of narrow midfield diamond. Um, the width had to come from Hutton. I think it made us a bit predictable on the day. The, the sort of wide threat all game was a bit hutting or nothing. Um, so moving on up the pitch, midfield, I, I can understand why Khan was the deepest, the sort of bottom of the diamond. You know, he, he's kind of been doing that all year, you know, getting the ball off the defenders, doing that, you know, those nice turns on the six punts and working his way up the pitch. But it meant we had Kinsella on the right of a, of a diamond in a narrow midfield. I just think his lack of mobility... His lack of footballing ability kind of stuck out like a real sore thumb in this team. I think again, if if you if we were going to insist on playing this formation, I think I would have done maybe Kinsella at the base, Arna McEachern as the two wider points of the diamond. But even then, I I, I didn't like this formation for us. I've got to say, I think it's kind of hampered McEachern a little bit too. He had to be quite disciplined, make sure he was on the left of of that centre midfield to make sure he was giving. Blake Tracy a bit of help. I think Shade in the sort of number 10 position, deputising for Kemp. Not Shade's fault, but like he's not a patch on Kemp. He, I, I think he actually took up some good positions in the match, Shade. But the times he got the ball to feet, the sort of the lack of control and the sort of decision-making on what he'd do next, not a patch on, on Shady. So, yeah, all around the pitch, you have people bumped out of their sort of rhythm of what they've been playing all season including Shade, who, you know, has been playing at, at left wing back recently. But the only bit that didn't change, obviously, was the the front two, which today, or yesterday even, was Hepburn, Murphy and Austin. I wasn't too surprised to see Young get sit down on the bench. He he did look a bit of a defeated man with the mischances against Gillingham. So I thought yeah. maybe 
a bit of, a bit of time on the subs bench might do him good. And as it showed when he came on, he took his goal very nicely. But yeah, for me, shape all wrong. We kind of sacrificed the left wing. Uh, very easy afternoon for one of Flynn's old charges, Cam Norman, um, the right back ex Newport, who's now obviously right wing back for Milton Keynes. And yeah, probably the bigger crime. You can try things, you can get it wrong. I think it, <clears throat> what we were saying in the stand, you know, it needed to change at half time. We did young for Clayton, moved shade to left back, which was awkward, but kind of kept the same shape with young being that sort of, you know, in the hole or like the third of the front three, however you want to describe it. And I think the timing of the Swindling goal probably played a bit of a hand in duping Flynn into thinking, okay, we'll persist actually. Yeah. But yeah, it, it probably needed to change at half time, needed to change after that if we weren't going to. It just felt a really awkward performance. I think we looked worse off the ball. We seemed a lot less likely to get the ball back off opposition. I, I wonder if some of that is just personnel, to be honest, because Kemp is a tremendous presser, got so much energy and fitness. Um, so you're always going to miss that. But yeah, also on the ball, we just looked like we struggled to work our way at the pitch. Yeah. What did you think, Rich? Sorry, I've waffled on for ages now. <laughs> well, what I, I were think you I, saying? Generally, I agree what Rob Dinsey says, which was uh, not our worst result of the season, but probably our worst performance. I think I, the one thing I was going to ask you was, I found it interesting that Flynn wanted to surprise MK Dons. And I do wonder whether the managerial change from Graham Alexander to Mike Williamson got in Flynn's head a wee bit. And I do wonder whether these changes would have happened had we been playing a Graham Alexander side, because I don't think they would have. And I don't know what Mike Williamson's reputation is in football because he, he had his first job at Gateshead. I don't know how far down like <laughs> other managers look to see what their, what, what their brethren are doing. But I just, I just feel like, we did too much in, in one game, too many changes in one game. And it, it just looked like we were all over the place. It was, it was slow. It was, it was, it, it was, it was boring for the first 25 minutes or so. It was just, it was just, you know, when you, you're at a game and you sort of, you, you're looking forward to it and then the game starts and you start wondering how much you've already spent on this day. <laughs> I think I was very much in that place. Yeah, definitely. Um, and actually, that's quite a good descriptor for the first 20, 25 minutes of the whole match, actually, because while Swindon did very little and we were kind of trying to work out how we were trying to play, I think MK similarly had quite a slow start to the match. Yeah. A little bit unsure of themselves. We actually had quite a lot of early joy um, with balls over the top for Hepburn Murphy. You know, it's quite a big pitch at MK. You appreciate that from behind the goal. There was a lot of space for Hepburn Murphy. And and in that first 12, 15 minutes, there's probably two or three good opportunities for Hepburn Murphy to get on the end of long passes, long balls. And each time, either a first touch let him down and got tackled or it just went a bit wide and could get shot away or it wouldn't just quite bounce for him. So, yeah, I think profligate Hepburn Murphy early on. But, yeah, we didn't really exploit that avenue after the first 15 minutes. So I don't know if Milton Keynes got wise to it. I certainly think in O'Hora, the number five, the player. Um, he, after that first 12 or 15 minutes where Hepburn Murphy found a lot of space, he was superb at the back. 
Matt yeah. Keynes. He was so aggressive. Every single time it went into Hepburn Murphy, he was up in, right up in. Um, buffeting him around, really physical. Don't get me wrong, he seemed to have the right ref because I think some of it <laughs> should have been penalised. But yeah, really ineffective performance from Hepburn Murphy, unfortunately. There's sort of the epitome of his performance that he, he did manage to get on the turn, drink inside uh, in the second half. And if he'd looked up, he had Austin free as a bird on the right, who, if the pass had been good, you know, would have took a first touch and would have then been shooting on goal from 18 or 20 yards. But, you know, one touch too many and got tackled again. But I certainly think O'Hara at the back, number five, is one of the most impressive players I've seen this year. And some of his marauds forward, uh, which led to the Milton Keynes second goal, one, two, collected it and then finished on his on his wrong foot. So, yeah, I mean, if if you had a pot of money at Christmas somehow <laughs> and you were looking to sign some League Two players, he's he's certainly one that would stick with me. Yeah. On, on Rashawn Hepburn Murphy, I think he's one of the players that when we were going into what we knew was going to be a tricky October, we were if we were listing the things that we, we want to see, it was Hepburn Murphy taking his chances at Bradford and and beyond. And it hasn't worked out for him, has it, so far? So far, he's kind of got this nagging reputation, fair or not, that he's better off the bench than he is from the start. And don't get me wrong, it wasn't that long ago. He had a long run of starting games under Jody Morris and was just about the only bright spark in a really poor side. So, you know, it pays to have a longer memory than just this season. But I think probably, fairly, you'd say Austin and Young... They weren't fully rested and confident are probably the front two. And Hepburn Murphy for half hour off the bench seems the best way to use him still. Um, yeah, just a bit snatchy, a bit panicky when he gets those chances. But there is so much good there. There's so much good to utilise in terms of his pace, the threat that causes to opposition defences just in their minds as well. So, you know, the ongoing challenge for Flynn, obviously, is to use those three forwards up till January in the best combinations he can. Um, it, it was another frustrating afternoon for Austin while we're on it. Mm. And his um, substitution in the 90 plus one or whatever it was, you know, if you're talking body language, there was a man deflated. Uh, yeah. When was his last open play goal? Warsaw, wasn't it? Yeah. 16th of September. He, for the most experienced player you've got, he needs one to go in, Charlie. If, if Young needed one to go in, Christ, Charlie needs one to go in. And, and you usually want to rest Charlie Austin for games like the FA Cup first round, but may, <laughs> our rotation, as as we'll highlight, I'm sure, is, is it, <laughs> it's not full of options, is it? But I'm sure he'll he'll start on the bench as an absolute. Uh, he's not starting that, that game, but Charlie Austin in form against Oldershot or getting him back into form could be just as important as progression to the second round. Absolutely, yeah. And especially if Bradford say um, you can't play young in the cup. Of course, yeah. And if MK, well, I'd be amazed if they let us play him in the FA Cup. So, yeah, you you need to work out a bit of a front three from somewhere. I mean, it could be a huge opportunity for Marza Bodo coming up. Could be, could be. Well, the first the first fifteen minutes or so, I was distracted by the weekend offenders, the Stone Island lads, 
having discussions with the stewards about why they can't be on the stairwell, <laughs> which was 15 minutes of, of great conversation, which resulted in them moving elsewhere eventually. But things did start to uh, to to move in the game. MK started getting into it a little bit more. Max Dean had a shot stopped by the shoulder, I think it was, of, of Murphy Mahoney. And then yeah. one of our own... Joe Tomlinson had a shot from distance, which was comfortably saved. I, I was in Swindon quite early on Saturday morning. And so early, I saw that <laughs> I walked past the ground when the team bus was parked up, ready to go. And I gave uh, Murphy Mahoney, as he walked past me, the old uh, acknowledgement nod, you know, the tilt the head back in a quick thrust. Uh, he reciprocated, which was appreciated. And I like to think, I was saying to him, You'll have a good day today. And I was right. Yeah, well, thank God he did have a good day. That's part of the reason the 3-2 score uh, flatters Swindon, is that Mahoney kept it free. Um, yeah. yeah, you're right. Um, it felt like 20, 25 minutes in, MK were grown in the game. They'd kind of realised, you know, is this all Swindon have got? We, we might as well start. You know, being a bit more progressive, um, and in the shape of Gilby and Payne and Ethan Robson, you know they've got some they've got some good foot, good footballers in there. The cost, the true cost of Swindon not imposing themselves on the game and not being progressive on the ball is that you know it created the sort of vacuum where MK Dons were eventually going to play some good football themselves. And unfortunately, this is where we we started to see Clayton exposed. So, you know, if Blake Tracy's left back and Clayton is the left centre half, it was kind of the balls uh, between Blake Tracy on like to the right of Clayton, which MK were utilising. You saw the, the first shot that Mahoney saved came down that route and ultimately the goal came down that route as well. You know, it's it's not just on Clayton, you know, it, it's a whole back four. Yeah. Um, and the sort of distances between your, your full back and your centre half is something which, you know, you can practice, but it comes with games and... You know, I can't think Blake Tracy and Clayton have had any moments this year where they've been left back and centre half. So, yeah, I mean, it made sense for Milton Keynes to target that side of our defence. Um, Godwin Malief is obviously a real strength at right centre half and Hutton, you know, good right back too. So, unfortunately, on this occasion, you just kind of had to take your medicine there. If we're trying to get minutes into Clayton in a real league environment, this was always possible. A good week for Tom Brewitt, given given the last two yes. results. And do you know what? I'm going to say this. I was having this chat with my friend Keith. His stock as a footballing centre-half has gone up as well mm-hmm. in his absence. <laughs> you see, actually, when Minturn on Tuesday against Gillingham was trying to be that same player you know, who interacts with Blake Tracy and Gordon Malief in that kind of triangle of centre-halves they do when they're working the ball forward, you know, actually, Brewitt... His football has come come a long way since he's been at Swindon too. So yeah, I, you know Clayton's going to play better than that. I don't want to hang him out the dry. It it kind of exposes again this problem where how do you get games into people? And I think maybe if you asked Flynn again, you probably would have played Minton yesterday, and you would have started Clayton against Aldershot next week. It's a more calculated gamble. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I there think, you go. I think Flynn was in his own head. Before he before that game and and how he was going to do it, um, and I'm I'm yeah. sure he, he sat he sat at home figuring out the older shot game and looking back on the decisions he made and probably a little bit rueful. But these things they happen and like you quite rightly said, that's the first time this season, eighteen games 
where we 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 question whether Flynn got it wrong or not. So you know, there's plenty. Of stuff, you look at yeah. you look at the eleven who started. You had the personnel to go straight back to your familiar formation: Hutton yeah. to right wing back, Shea to left wing back. You know, between McEachern, Khan, and Kinsella, you could work that as a, a midfield three with one of them slightly more advanced. It just it was too much change. Yeah, too many people put like nose out of joint and um yeah you know well pre-season's the time to try these sort of things or you know if you must like in the cups but yeah three league points at stake and uh yeah you know Flynn will learn from that yeah he'll have learned a lot I'm sure he will have town were limited in terms of chances uh, McEachern had a powerful effort go over it looked high and wide well not high and wide but it looked well over in real time but looking back it wasn't too bad at all. Before we get to the goal, I just want to use this moment to talk about Saidu Khan because, and I think you would agree, he was pretty good to start with. And then the yellow yeah. card just completely took his game away. And now he'll serve a suspension. Uh, I, you're telling me it's going to be cold chess. It's definitely not the FA Cup, no? Let's workshop this, listeners. Um, I'm sure nowadays it's competition perspective specific based on the chats we all had about a month ago when Blake Tracy got his fifth yellow but one of them was in the league cup at Peterborough so it has to be five league yellows to get a league ban Khan has five league yellows I ain't bothered really either way um <laughs> we're probably going to be a bit shorter for the older shot game so if he could be available for the older shot game all the better it's the way he plays he, he is a combative midfielder and I actually think he's a little bit lucky with, with the tackle he got booked for it was it was a bit naughty. It's a good job he didn't follow through. Sort of high boot around the sort of high shin, knee area, and it's yeah. kind of a bit bit yellow and a halfy, um, <laughs> orange if you want to call it that. But yeah, it definitely it kept his game in check after that. Not quite the same snap. More worryingly, it seemed to ail his um, his actual football too. Um, I don't know if he's just a bit sad about being uh, suspended for one game coming up or or what, but. Khan started well, faded. I think McEachern started badly, but then had a sort of good 10 or 15 minutes in the second half, which coincided with Sundan's best spell in the match. Yeah. Kinsella, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that's quite a worrying performance. Well, well I, just, I don't see how he fits. Kinsella frustrates me in terms of his signing full stop, regardless of whether he's good or not, because I think in the summer, fans were being quite audible about about us not having enough experience. And then we bring in Kinsella and fans who hate fellow Swindon fans being negative go, well, there you go. There's your 200 games. Now shut up. But in terms of what we've learned over the months, he's the, not in the position that we needed. And he's probably on, not he's not going to be on the highest wage in the world, but the guy who's played 200 games in the EFL, I'm sure he his agent could have negotiated quite a, quite a good deal. And he's just sat there on the bench and then we need him. He's just he just looks off it, doesn't he? The only mitigation I would give, he's obviously in this match. We didn't see Kinsella playing next to McEachern in the sort of two sitters. Yeah. With Khan ahead of them. Or I think that would slightly suit him more. I think he wants to be a bit deeper in the pitch. I think being on the right of the diamond also left him a bit exposed. Yeah, you know, there's no lack of effort, no lack of endeavour. I just think given how much football Flynn has wanted his teams to play this year. I think Kinsella is the most limited midfielder we have in terms of technical ability, certainly. You know, you'd put Kane ahead of him. 
terms of the way he can strike a ball and pass a ball. It's just, yeah, he's, he's like a little lovable ferret. <laughs> you just need to tap into that, I guess, and use him as a bit more of a spoiler, asking him to, you know, essentially guard that right side of the pitch and interact with Hutton and Shade as the 10. It just, yeah. I was surprised. I was surprised he didn't get minutes against Ginningham, knowing that he would be brought on, uh, yeah. brought in for, for Kemp. That was inevitable. I'm surprised he didn't get 10, 15 minutes on Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah. well, it certainly would have made a lot of sense yeah. with the four of you. Um, and Khan has played a lot, McEachran too. But now I guess Khan and McEachran, it was a bit of an up and down day from both. And they have both played a lot of minutes for Swindon this year. Khan's also been away on a plane to sit on the bench for Gambia. So, you know, maybe there is a, an element of things starting to take their toll, especially as uh, Khan and McEachran played night each against um, Gillingham. Um, you know, when you talk about bench strength, it's not necessarily just having players for the sake of it, but it's, you know, that chance to dip people in and out and give someone 70 minutes rather than 95 just keeps those batteries topped up, doesn't it? And he does. Max Dean put MK Dons into the lead, 39 minutes, slack passing from the back. And like you say, with, with the exploitation of of Clayton, it just felt inevitable. Yeah, well, we'd we'd seen the sort of carbon copy chance earlier. I think the most disappointing thing about this goal was what happened higher up the pitch. You'll see it again for goal two with the the shade ball up the line and Young not competing on the halfway line. O'Hora sort of stealing in and being really aggressive. A couple of opportunities in the build-up to goal one for a Swindon player to win the ball, secure the ball. And when you don't do that, MK had the requisite quality to, to slip in What's his name again? The young lad up front? Max Dean. Max Dean, thank you. And yeah, decent finish. Mahoney nearly saved it. A couple of hands to it. I mean, this Max Dean, he must be useful. He's keeping out some very useful strikers in, in Lecco and Issa. Good finish. And what did that give us? Five or six minutes up to half time. And in all honesty, we didn't muster, muster anything from goal to half time. It looked like Swindon wanted to get in and and have that team talk and get get reorganised. So yeah, anything else of note from the first half, Rich? You not from that? not from me. No, it, it it wasn't it wasn't great viewing. And I remember I was I was with uh, fellow LS Podders Simon and Max, and I, I, I was saying like I predicted there'd be six goals in this game. <laughs> Just like not a chance and I, I got quite close second half I said at the at the top of the intro it, it became a stadium NK became the house of pain didn't it? It, it that was his half where he I think Tomlinson looked the more eager of the ex-Swindon players in the first 45 but the second it was a man of the match display by by our, our dearest pain yeah he was quietly efficient in the first half yeah MK uh, for the first half, anyway, used pain in that slightly deeper role. Yeah, and then um, I think second half, um, once Connor Grant went off, I think it's fifty-six minutes. Pain looked like he went higher up, sort of into that Kemp sort of number ten position, and that's when he started to really run the show for Milton Keynes. And some really lovely interplay as the half went on. It was Pain who slipped in O'Hora for goal two. Came at pain, bit unlucky that he didn't lay on a couple of other goals. Actually, Mahoney getting in the way of a Gilby shot that was a really superb save. 
Yeah. As the game wore on. As a Swindon loving man and a Jack Payne fan. <laughs> oh, just irritating to watch. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. I, I thought Alex Gilby was quite good too and probably deserved yeah. a goal. He, he, he showed both two players with similar experience, both showing it. Um, and it's what is one of the various things we lacked on the day. Yeah, I think with Gilby, he's got good size, but he's also very, seems to cover the ground quite easily. So I think it was his Maisie dribble to the byline, wasn't it? Yeah. Not closed down. Um, he put the ball across and unfortunately for McEachran, he added to his two assists with an own goal. He also had a booking, didn't he, McEachran? Eventful day. Um, but yeah, but, but, but we you... scored. But we scored yeah. <laughs> before before we before we sort of sigh our way through the remainder of the with the remainder of the game. Jake Young came on early into the second half for Tom Clayton, and it really was out of nowhere. Really, it didn't. It, there was no feeling that Swindon were going to get back into this game. In fact, moments before. As you said, Mahoney saved from Gilby. It looked like if anyone was going to score next, it was going to be MK Donson. It's a it's a really lovely finish. And I loved his celebration. Very, like, <laughs> just static and just acknowledging the fans. Um, good to see. Good moment for him. I remember in the last pod, Paul D saying, we just needed something from his backside. Well, he did a bit better this time, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, it was lovely. So, yeah, let, let's give him the full wrap. So, uh, unlike you, Rich, I actually felt... The young sub, so when was that? 55, wasn't it? I actually think the sort of five minutes building up to the goal, we were gaining some some momentum, even if it wasn't sort of vigorous. I think you see in the build-up to the goal, I don't know if it was just a, a minute where MK were sat off having a breather, but McKechn really well involved yeah. at, the, at the left-hand side with Shade, who was now sort of deputising as like an attacking left-back. Yeah, and McKechn took charge, one, two, and then lovely ball back across into space, sort of on the edge of the box. Uh, a number of Sunday players could have ultimately took charge, but um, I'm glad it was young because he hit a lovely firm shot, which took a slight nick. And I think that slight nick did help it. Oh, I said loop, it was. Loop was... over the keeper's hand. Um, I was I, it was definitely it a nick. I was, yeah. I was right behind it. But yeah, I, I think it was probably a good chance of going in anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there it was. A sort of, despite the poor performance, one sub, a bit of a rally, and here we were, sixty minutes on the clock, one-one, bit undeserved or not. But what followed in the next eight, ten minutes was actually, you know, comfortably our best period in the match. Um, the fans were up, Swindon were up, few waves of attack, but um, oh, rather than us sticking it in the net, you had the sort of bubble bursting. MK Don's second goal, which was slightly against the run of play at that point, but just, you know, uh, we've already touched on it slightly avoidable from Swindon's point of view. God. Shade having a good opportunity to clear upfield on his left foot didn't get a lot of distance, but still, I think if Jake Young's reading where Shade's going to clear that, and if he's actually goal side of Ahura, he should compete for that a lot better. Doesn't. Ahura strides forward. Young lets him go. Khan has the opportunity to track him, doesn't. Shade, not a natural left back, doesn't track him either. And yeah, I mean, what a finish from centre half. Yeah. <laughs> On his left foot, but it's just avoidable. And that that really killed killed the fans who had been up for the last 10 minutes. Looked like it killed the team. And it just felt like it was insurmountable, even at 2 1 at that moment. What was that, 66? 
Yeah, really, really much earlier than it felt at yeah, the time. It felt like we didn't have another two goals in us. Didn't, no. Maybe not even one more. I know we got the consolation with Blake Tracy at the end, but that's how it felt in the ground. That's how it looked seeing the players on the pitch. They looked a bit deflated, a bit out on their feet. And well, frankly, for the rest of the game, it was it was MK more likely to notch. I can think of a couple of good Hutton right wing crosses. Uh, one which Hepburn Murphy very nearly got on the end of. I think it kind of shouldered or backed it wide of the back post. It's probably as good as we got. Yeah. And it, wow. this this was when pain started to do pain things, yeah. as people say, wasn't it? It was during like well, the, the remainder of the game that he was playing. This is where it just felt it liberated Jack Payne and he became a bit of a nuisance. Maybe it's because our heads dropped and we were tiring and we were tiring. It wasn't a fast paced game, but it, it was notable that just we just couldn't keep up. Agreed. Yeah. Um, when you're in the lead, players like Payne and Kemp, as a current Swindon example, they must be a nightmare because they're so comfortable on the ball. When you are getting a bit desperate, which Swindon were, and you're starting to leave more spaces at the back, then um, you know, good players are going to exploit that. And Jack Payne put in a stellar second half performance. I'm glad he's playing regular football anyway. I know the Cheltenham move hasn't worked out for him. It's something about Swindon people going to Cheltenham. Uh, Cheltenham? Charlton, which doesn't seem to have worked out in the last decade. Nicky Jose, obviously, you know, Jojo. That was a big move for him, didn't work. Uh, ben Garner, yeah. big move for him, didn't work. Yeah, sad to see Jack Payne languishing in sort of Charlton circles anyway. Um, but yeah, it's just annoying. It had to be MK Dons as a place to go and reignite his career, unfortunately. Yeah. I know he hasn't set the world alight for MK yet, but that will probably be a bit of a sort of Tuesday night and, and then Saturday looks like Payne's going to be in the team and running the show. So good for him. Anyway, yeah. I'm pleased. Change of manager can do a lot for people like that. Um, yeah, the, the, the remainder of the game really just turns into like MK sort of toying with us like cats with mice. You know, it's the, the, there are plenty of driving forward moments where Mahoney just does really well to stop it. Um, they do get their third with about six minutes to go. All too easy. Gilbin. Gilby given loads of space to square the ball into the six-yard box and it's turned in to his own net by George McEachran, who was vastly improved, got two assists, obviously, throughout the game, and it was a shame. And that's when a lot of people in the away end started to leave and it was just playing out the way it was. But Town did get a consolation, even though there was a couple minutes to go, a free kick by George McEachran and a free header for Fraser Blake Tracy, and that's how it ended 3-2. And I'm kind of rushing through on this because that's kind of just what happened, wasn't it? It was just one of those sort of conclusions to a game where you could feel like you could go with 15 minutes to go and know that there wasn't going to be a miracle uh, comeback despite that Blake Tracy header. A lot of discussion about squad depth again. And there's been a bit more resistance from fans fighting the corner of the of the club on this saying like no that it's not a depth issue it's an injury issue which kind of feels like the same thing a lot of people comparing the bench mj williams moisa jonathan lecco coming on versus swindon's options apart from young who's a very young player himself 21 19 year old center back and a 16 year old forward it it 
it's chalk and cheese. We we don't you 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 will say it yourself. We've done it to death, but it doesn't help, does it? No. Well, that would be the only other thing I was going to chuck into the the end of the match is Flynn tried to shuffle things slightly. Min turn on for Kinsella. Adoka Godwin Malief went into midfield, which was all a bit weird. I'm sure he's yeah, you know, he's a good enough footballer to do it, but it was all just a bit fudged again. And then young Abodo for Austin. Austin looking like he wanted to be anywhere but there as he trudged off. The frustrating thing with the consolation is you look at the ease with which we put the cross in yep. and Blake Tracy found space to score. I want a few more of those chances when it matters in games. Yeah. Let's do some of that, Swindon. There was there was, was a few actually, there was a yeah, few moments in the game. Right. Yeah, there was a few moments in the game where like there was a decent position free kick where we could have pumped the ball in and they just played it sideways or back and there was a collective sort of eye roll and groan from the away end, wasn't there? Yeah, exactly what I was about to say. Um, opportunities where it was still 2-1 and, you know, you've got Blake Tracy, you've got Godwin Malief, got young Austin Hepburn. Every now and again, we should put a ball across the face of goal. You've got quality in McEachern to put it in. Hutton too crosses in his in his dreams, didn't he? So, like, yeah, I, let's do some of that, please. <laughs> let's get some cheap goals. Were, were there boos at halftime at, at your side? There were plenty where I was sat. Did you hear any? It was more murmurings of discontent than yeah. boos. There were um, definite boos around me. It might have been my my pals from the stairwell previously, yeah. but but yeah. But but before we go into Michael Flynn's post match bits and listeners post match bits uh h the duck wants to stick the boot in i know we were poor today h the duck says but look on the bright side imagine being an mk fan and having to watch games in that soulless bowl every week with five thousand home fans sprinkled around that vast expanse of empty seats dreadful place dreadful fans dreadful club there you go there's the boot stuck in <laughs> Go on, Mr. Duck. Yeah. <laughs> Don't hold back. <laughs> but Mr. no, he, the contrast is vast, isn't it? <laughs> Moisa, Jonathan Lecco, uh, Williams, who come on before that, compared to nineteen-year-old you know, centre-half and sixteen-year-old forward. Yeah. I think they'll be in the playoffs. I, I, I know they've had a slack alley sort of <laughs> few months or so, but I think they'll be they'll be flirting with the playoffs at the end of the season. Yeah, I can't really see how they don't with that squad. Yeah. And now they've got the new manager who's got two wins and two. They sell Kemp, make some money and use that money wisely. Yeah, or maybe buy Payne permanently. Or um, bring Kemp back and have Kemp and Payne. Goodness me. Yeah. But no, I mean, Ooh. I suppose the point there, you know, I mean, Pete Winkleman doesn't seem like much of a bloke, um, but he <laughs> loves Milton Keynes, clearly. He funds losses, clearly, for them to have that squad and make the signings that they do and have the number of fans in the ground that they do. Um, and, I, you know, I don't think we're asking for, you know, our owners to go full-on sugar daddy mode, but it you can't help but be a little bit jealous. Oh, um, 3-2 loss it was. After the game, Michael Flynn said we were poor, flat, no tempo, moved the ball too slowly, gave away poor goals. We tried to surprise them, but we lacked the urgency we had from Tuesday. We've got to learn the dark arts of football. I'm disappointed. We were overplaying today. We were too slow. We missed Brewett. We missed Kemp. We're working with what we've got. It's backs against the wall time at the minute. 
We've got what we've got. We'll dust ourselves down and look forward to our FA Cup game. Listeners said, Matt says, we can moan and whinge at the players, but those 13 or 14 are there every game. They're exhausted. After 70, we were dead on our feet. Look at the subs MK could do. MK are another poor side in this division that we're losing to, though a special note to the ref who was awful. Michelle says... What can I say? Both sides quite dull. Us possession giving away too easily. No creativity. Slow, sluggish. No options on the bench either. Hard to see pain doing pain things for another team. Nick Cripp says October was going to be a difficult month and we have dropped a couple of points. Nick, we've dropped 14 from a possible 18. The squad will be added to when we are not paying off Jody Morris and his assistant. The money will then be able to be used to sign extra players in January. Hold yourself, Dan. Hold yourself. <laughs> uh, Chris O'Kill says, so third way through the season, having followed the club for over 40 years, always wait before start setting myself up for what the season is likely to deliver to try and smooth out the highs and the many, many lows. So this year, this is how Chris sees it. We look creative and can be dangerous, which is exciting. However, in and around the box, we lack hugely. This means we will forever be ruining those missed chances, drop points. And if only's where we stand in ninth currently is exactly that spot. You don't want to be in November will be like October. We'll lose some players and gain some in January. If we get a Doyle, then we make the playoffs. If not, nothing. No change to the budget expected. I'm realistic. Seen it all before, but need to have high expectations in the right place. Oh, and I could be wrong, of course. And Craig Clark finally says, rubbish watch. Little quality without Kemp and Miss Brewitt in defence. Barely tested their keeper by the goals. There are so many players underperforming. Man of the match, Mahoney. It's a long time till January. And that's hoping January brings more quality and depth, not less. So there you go. Plenty to work with there, Dan. Anything that you want to uh, cover from Flynn or uh, the listeners? Uh, yeah, I mean, let's major on squad depth. You, you hear the language from Flynn. You know, backs against the wall. It is what we've got. Ba, 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 ba. We ain't Dorking Wanderers. <laughs> no. This is Swindon Town in the fourth tier. Uh, do you know what? I, I'm going to use a bit of a different analogy. I'm going to try and bring some fun to this. Because like you said earlier, we have done squad depth to death. And in particular, how we see it as symptoms of wider issues, a wider malaise at the at the club off field. But do you remember the film Dante's Peak, Rich? Yes, I do. Pierce Brosnan. Yes, yes. Linda yeah. Hamilton, I think. Yeah. Handsome Pierce Brosnan. I feel like... In August, we were Pierce Brosnan in the picturesque town of Dante's Peak with the squad depth volcano <laughs> in the background. We can see with our expertise, you know, this could be a bit of a problem. Squad's not looking the fullest. There's a few gaps, you know, as the season goes on. And you've got Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, you know, this volcano, the squad depth volcano could explode and it could bite us. And, you know, we're kind of audibly in some parts of the fan base told you know it's not an issue we're waiting for the right players you know someone's mentioned there we're waiting to pay off Jody Morris and Ed Brand come on guys wake up anyway so Pierce Brosnan and his research team they've been sent back in deadline day passes we don't get another striker we actually sell one we're told don't worry 
September freebies. We're going to get some great free free transfers going to fill the gap. And then, unfortunately, that never happened. Here we are, as Pierce Brosnan a month ago on a podcast saying, you know, this volcano is going to explode. It's still a big problem. Even in happy times, we're saying we think this is a big problem. And then, unfortunately, the month of October, was it seven games, five defeats, the solitary win, volcanic ash and molten <laughs> lava is now pouring down on Dante's peak. And we are reaping what the club sowed uh, in July and August when they didn't build the requisite squad. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that's quite a long naff analogy, but it's a good film. You should go and watch Dante's peak. Yeah, I was, I was more, I would say Dante's peak, but I was more... That film than Volcano, I must say, which both came out the same year, I believe, about 1997 times. I was more in the peak. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I mean, getting back on track, and sorry to talk rubbish there for three minutes. It's a great film. Go and watch it. You know, Flynn was previously masking off-field issues. We said that. You know, the form was good. You know, you had the owner coming out on Facebook Live events, really bullish, swearing away. Like an idiot. And you know what? We heard from him the last month. No, we have Things not. have started going, going wrong. You know, as, have we heard from the trust? Like, what, why is there Why is there now radio silence? Is anyone looking at the books? Has he reclaimed the shares? From from the club like, side of things, it's, it's quite obvious, isn't it? You, you come out, you say a bit, and I know, like, a lot of people saw that as a, a huge success for Clem Wolfoni. I think it all all it really did was divide the fans a bit more definitively. It was yeah. it was very much you either thought good old Clem saying how it is, he said his bit, now let's just support the club and, and take his word. And then there was the other side that was just like not a chance. And I think that was one of the reasons why we decided not to analyze that that QA straight after, because because I just you just think it was being fueled to the fire and and it just wouldn't have been very helpful, would it? Um, and it would have been fun though. It would have been great fun. You would have had a tremendous <laughs> time. And, and <laughs> for the, for on the record for the listeners, you've been champing at the bit to get episode four done, and it's been me that's been gone. Well, hold on, we we need to back up our claims, and we're going to say a few things in a few moments which are completely unfounded, but we're just you know wondering what what the situation is if indeed. It's not simply a case of they're they're saving their money for January because you know you can still you can still bring in non-contract players and let them go in January and then bring your squad players in. But anyway, um, before we get to that, let's have a man of the match because I don't think this will take oh, yeah. long to discuss because the the listeners went comprehensively. Murphy Mahoney, Godwin Malief got got a couple. George McEachern got a couple. Uh, but it it was Murphy Mahoney, and I I can I haven't got the energy or the reason to to argue against that. Yeah, it's the Irish bar, Murphy Mahoney's all day long. <laughs> it's got to be, hasn't it? Let, let let's have let's have some noise, and then we'll come back and and end the pod with some lovely bleak chat. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Just like sucking you off. I went, you're swinging on little slugs. And little slugs with no personality. And it's just jealous that we're better at everything than you. Right then, so off the field matters. It's getting noisier at the moment, which, which which I find it's good, but I find it quite frustrating to a degree because it it's always alongside the losses on the pitch. Uh, we've attempted to raise concerns over the last year or so, and we've done it whilst the form on the pitch has been good, and we're told that we're never happy and just be grateful, and we want to say stuff well that the going is not so good on the pitch. And we know that we'll be told that we're just being negative because we're losing games and just to be grateful, we've got a club back and so forth. A lot of the listeners' contributions, we're talking about things more linked to off the off the field matters now about Clem Orfuni and whether he can afford to run this football club. And now we're going to put our tinfoils, tinfoil hats on and we're going to, we're going to, Ponder. I mean, Muttley says Clem has two options. One, carry on owning the club and put some proper investment in to make the club competitive. And two, sell up, get someone else in who has the financial muscle to take the club forward. Where, where do you want to start with this? I'm not necessarily answering Muttley. That, that's his, that's Muttley's opinion there. Um, you've got plenty to say on it. I, I think I'm just going to allow you to do your thing. First thing I noted on this, I agree with you completely. It feels like the tide in the fan base and the sort of wider fan base too it is on the turn. And I know there's generally a lag. It takes a while to bring everyone with you. I, I appreciate that. But I think a few things are just worth repeating, actually. You know, we are a club with 5,100-ish season ticket holders at a fair old price. We are averaging still 9,000 home gates. We do have, as you've seen yesterday, stellar away support on the road in a very northern league two that first 12 or 13 players in the squad are of good quality and play good football we've got established league two manager in flynn who can guide the footballing ship i think the football's been largely attractive and fun so i'm hoping all of that should be quite attractive to a prospective buyer but more to the point how aren't you able to run a top-end League Two club on the 5,000 season tickets, the 9,000 home crowds, the commercial opportunities that you were afforded in a ground like the County Ground in a town the size of Swindon. Ugh. How are we running at a 500,000 to a million pound loss? Yeah, Where's the money being lost? Like, so all this talk about sustainable, well, sustainable on the things I've just listed should be a heck of a lot better than what we're churning out in terms of squad composition this version of sustainable sees us languish in league two and i worry our next league move is the unthinkable one you know if clem kylie austin hart god forbid standing you know if these guys can't fund it sell the club to someone they can because i think on the m4 corridor as we love to say rich (laughs) swindon has got to be an attractive club to buy it owns the ground 
I just feel like we need to clean the slate. I've had some stick online from some Swindon fans because I'm of the opinion that in the the market is good for buying football clubs. It's a very popular thing at the moment. And one of the most common retorts you get from fans, which is completely fair, is where are these magical owners coming from? Why would they want to take over Swindon Town? Well, I don't really ever have the answer for that, but they exist. They are with respect, there. we're not scumfort. And they still find I mean, no, like <laughs> scumfort, still... lovely club, been there, friendly place, had some great pints. Like, but compare that club situation to Swindon's, for example. I I just think I just think it's a aged argument. I think King era, that that's that's real. You know, post ITV yeah. collapse, digital collapse. I think that's very real. Who on earth would take over a football club? And I, I genuinely think, like, over time, and it will happen again, that who on earth would buy a football club? But an Australian plumber has done it. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, it is a complete possibility. And when you sit here and you try and figure out what it could be, and, you know, this is complete conspiracy because... They, they could just be making the baffling decision to risk October, November and December by, by saving their pennies. It could be as simple as as soon as Jody Morris and Ed Brand's payments have come to an end, then there's a budget. It doesn't sound great in, as an argument, does it? But th- th- there are two things that I do wonder. One of them is, and you see them in the AB minutes, the advisory board minutes, EFL loans. And the steady repayment of those loans. But I I know for a fact that if you're not paying those loans back to a certain degree or if at all, then restrictions emerge as a result of that. And that would be perfectly logical as to why Swindon haven't bolstered their side. Because if they've got EFL restrictions, that doesn't mean they're under embargo. It just means that there's budgetary matters that they have to adhere to which could result in players not signing. The other one, which is the one that probably I get the most stick for, is that Clem Mulfooney has said the club is not for sale. Doesn't mean they're not talking to people. Doesn't mean that a, a, a consortium can approach them, look at the books and put in a bid. You know, it does that that is it, I think that's clever wording from Clem Mulfooney. I really do, because I can't see the motivation for him to stay for much longer and that is a big bold claim which but we, we've seen the decline of Clem Orfuni. you know they they've been all in we've seen them in the good times he's lapped it up when the going is good but when it's gone you know laissez-faire because it's not even terrible at the moment or anything he's disappeared and he's focusing on his Australian interests with with Swindon's name and we haven't even had confirmation of that we've heard that through <laughs> through Facebook, Facebook posts, right? exactly, which is more of a presence than our pals in Karachi. And this is old ground. But I, I think, you know, as I be prepare to take my tinfoil hat off, I think there are very logical reasons why. And reasons that if they just had said, we can't bring someone in because because of this, that and the other. And the reason I don't buy things about like Jody Morris and Ed Brand is because the evolution of Michael Flynn's hopes for extra players, which nearer to the earlier stages of the season was, I I need two players. We, and it just went to what we've got now with, we've got what we've got. 
we'll, <laughs> we'll deal with it. And 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 that's that's why I think I think you know things change, things evolve. I think in August he probably thought he was getting a couple more players in, and then it changes. But why would you, Dan, if you, for example, were preparing to sell a club, what are you what are you not going to do during that time? Well, it'd be like if I was selling my house. I'm not going to do unnecessary work exactly. on that house, which I'm not going to benefit from or doesn't add value to the asset. Exactly. You're not going to put a single penny in that you, more than you have to. You know, the sort of criminal underfunding of the playing squad, which is the bit we see, right? That's that's what you see every Saturday. It's on the field. You know, it doesn't add up because actually, if you've saved money in the last two months by not using those wages, which were allotted, apparently, because they definitely were, end of August, start of September, Flynn's talking about, you know, going after Ryan Edwards, even if he didn't name him. And, you know, all right, we might use that budget to sign two or three, yada, yada, yada. You know, that's saved money. Like, if anything, we should be in a better position now to go and sign free action. <laughs> so why is cash flow an issue? We might be wrong, but I, I just think it's either that we're under restrictions for cash flow, for EFL loans or any other sort of bits and pieces. And I, 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 I'm just loathed to tiptoe towards sounding out ITK because I'm not here. But, but it's completely plausible that, and also that it could be that the end is nigh for the Glenmore Fooney era, because, you know, he might have be sick to death of these ungrateful Swindon fans, and off, off he goes with, with, hopefully, an investment <laughs> sorted. It doesn't add up. We will just get the, I didn't realise you were experts in football business. <laughs> we're not. But we've been following this as adults for, for 20 years and as <laughs> all in for 30 years. You know, it's it, it just it just does not add up. Nope, it does not. And all we're going to look for is explanation. Yeah. We, we're going to the away games. We, we're going to Aldershot. We are yeah. just as motivated in supporting Swindon Town as we ever have been. We are not, or I am not, anti Claire Morfuni. I am anti-nonsense. And it just feels like there's some nonsense at Swindon Town at the moment. And any future owner will get the same amount of rope from me. Uh, it's not about Claire Morfuni. It's about making sure that Swindon Town Football Club is operating. We're hearing loads of rumours at the moment. A lot of stuff is landing in our DMs about what could be happening behind the scenes. Um, mostly stuff that I'm not going to try and you know put out there into the ether because I don't necessarily think it's true either. Um, but something's something's not right. Well, come back to a phrase we used five six weeks ago. You know, if it looks fishy, if it smells fishy. <laughs> etc it's probably fishy it's fishy and you know they might think they came out and did some explaining a month ago but oh come on it was we that... i'm 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 human you know that, that his his argument was we I'm, I'm i'm a human i make mistakes which considering the rhetoric they forced down our throats about openness and transparency i'm sorry but that, that did not wash with me well, I, I will say this. Here's, here's your closer. The angry, aggy, sweary, short-tempered Clem Morfuni you saw on the Facebook Live. Probably the first time we've seen the real Clem. Wasn't for me. And when people show themselves to you, take it in. Take it in indeed. Dan, thank you very much. Thanks, Rich.
The Low Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. The views given do not reflect those of Swindertown Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast logo was created by the most splendid Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on you Reds! Come on Swindon! 